I like to propose a toast. I said toast, motherfucker. This what we doing here? Another one, another one. I might have to put on my jury for this one. Rave top, rave top, oh, we're talking that rave top. Safe top, safe top, here we go, talking that safe top. Major key alert. Oh, we good now, oh, we good now. Major bag alert. DJ Khaled. Tony Montana, what is good? It's your boy Casey with another Casey's Corner Nana Gang remix. And when you come through the Nana Gang remix, when you come through Casey's Corner, you know what you're supposed to do up in there. Let them know, bird man. Talk to them, boy. Put some respect on my name. You understand me? When y'all saying my name, put some respect on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that. And, and, And I need you. To put some respect on the name of my next guest. I told you nine a week is back. Draft week is back. We're not going to waste no time because this this was a, a deep conversation. All right, maybe not deep, but it was long. It was thorough. It was a good conversation on my next guest. We're going to get right into it. Here we go. All right, all my people, we, we've got a, another special guest. This is a, as a heavyweight Niner Gang remix because... We got the heavy hitters on here, man. You guys just heard my man, 49ers Gab. And then we're going to another heavy hitter. You guys know him as Lake Show King, the Lake Show King on Twitter. Your opinion is overrated. My main man, Chris, what's good, bro? Not much. Yo. In here, uh, watch, watch a little bit of basketball. No doubt, no doubt. Now, Chris, I promise you, I, I promise you, while I'm on here, okay, while we're doing this this podcast, I promise not to make any offensive jokes about Michael Crabtree getting his chain snatched. Y'all is so disrespectful. To my, I, I've never seen a fan base so disrespectful to the past player. Disrespectful to Michael Crabtree. Disrespectful to Vernon Davis. Uh, you you gave. Uh, Kaepernick is due, yes. but Crabtree and Vernon Davis, everybody hates on these guys, and we forget how how important these guys were to our three year success. Now, I understand Crabtree was you know a little bit of annoying his last year. Trust me, I said it too. I was I dogged him his last year, and after especially after he you know he threw some jabs at us. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, man, that's your answer that's right my, there. That's my there goes guy. your answer. That's, that's why they guy. get the, they don't get the respect. The the re, the problem. <laughs> With those two, and they were, you know, they were very good 49ers while they were here. I'm not going to call them great because, because you know what, Michael Crabtree, you know, he was supposed to be like Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. Like coming out of college, coming out of Texas Tech, he was that guy, right? He was that guy. He was supposed to be one of the next great ones. And you know what? He was so caught up in a whole bunch of other stuff. And and here's the thing that gets gets me with him. He's always blaming somebody else for his shortcomings, right? And he just never lived up to expectations. You know what I mean? But if it, well, okay. but it's always somebody else's fault. It was Alex Smith's fault. It was Cap's fault. Well, you know what I'm saying? It was the offense. It was all this other stuff. Okay. It was always somebody else's fault. Okay, let let. Let's talk about this for a quick. Let's talk about this for like a quick five minutes. Let's do this. Okay, please do. Okay, as big of a cat fan as I am, and you—I mean, I think you know it. You know it, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, so see, and this is why I say people see people think I'm Kaepernick 100, 100, 100. Kaepernick can do no wrong, which is ninety nine percent of the time he can't do no wrong for me, <laughs> but. <laughs> But if we're if we're if we're being honest, if we're being honest, I definitely bl- 
So for, first, first of all, you got to understand, you got to understand Michael Crabtree and that offense that he came from. So that, that's that they inflate your numbers. All of that. You talking about uh, the Texas Tech? Offense, you talking about the Texas Tech offense? Texas Tech offense with Graham Harold. Yeah, Graham Harold. I even watched the game where he had that big catch against Texas. Right. Trust me, I was watching Michael Crabtree, and that offense it, it, it inflates numbers. That's why all these receivers come out and you see all these crazy numbers, but not a lot, especially from the Big Twelve, which he's from. You know, you see all these players come in and they're not as great as they should be. Like, I actually. I can't tell you a Big 12 receiver that's really lit up in the NFL Dez. since Josh Gordon, maybe. Dez. Um, Dez, but that's, that was in two – Dez came out in, like, 2009-ish. Uh-huh. So, they they were – I mean, the spread was, was then, but, but Dez Bryant is a – as an animal. Yeah, and, I mean, you, uh, you make you making the right point. I understand what you're saying. I just threw Dez out there, but you know, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you. yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. Dez is my dude. But but you know, so so those numbers are inflated. But with Michael Crouchy, come on, man. Let's remember Alex Smith. He had Alex Smith, and Alex Smith was not a very friendly receiver quarterback. But yeah, I mean, Jeremy Macklin. You know, that was his first time he got a receiver over a thousand yards. And if you look at it. With Crabtree, um, which was going to two thousand actually two thousand eleven. Crabtree wasn't a thousand yard receiver. No, and we were a thirteen wasn't. and three football team. No, but two thousand twelve exactly. happened. He was not a thousand yard receiver. Two thousand and twelve happened, and I mean he was doing okay with with uh, with Alex Smith, but Kaepernick came in. Kaepernick really made him a focal point of the offense because remember that year going into it, Kaepernick. And Vernon Davis wasn't in a rhythm, but Kaepernick and Crabtree rhythm, and they were balling together, and they did really good together. And that was Crabtree's first real, I I say, real quarterback. Then, you know, going in the offseason, going into the next year, we had big hopes for Crabtree, but guess what? He tears his Achilles. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, we were were struggling on offense without Crabtree. Crabtree comes back, we do good. And, you know, he's getting himself back into it. But then I think the ATL game was like his first 100-yard game. And then he had another 100-yard. Then he goes into the playoffs to have a 100-yard game against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he did he did pretty well against the Panthers. And then that Seattle game. This is the problem we have with Michael Crabtree, okay? It's, it's not the talent is there. There's a certain something about him, you know, that gets you excited about him. But when you really need Michael Crabtree, when you really need him to be what he's supposed to be, what he was, what he was supposed to be coming out of Texas Tech, what he, what he was supposed to be when, when the Raiders took Darius Hayward Bay and he fell to the Niners, when you really needed him to dig deep, he wasn't there for you. I got a Raiders fan. My my cousin is a big Raiders fan, and I was talking to him in uh, in in September, you know, October. And I said to him, he's like, man, y'all stupid. Y'all let Crabtree go. Thanks. I appreciate it. Da, 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 da. I was like, look, man, you guys can have Crabtree. Enjoy him. Because when that weather gets cold, and specifically when you play the Chiefs and the Broncos, some DBs that will rough him up and get physical, he will disappear on your ass. And just like clockwork, when that weather got cold and he played some DBs that will get physical with him, start dropping passes. Not that that nice move that you tweeted out against Baltimore that wasn't happening no more. It's like clockwork. We've seen it all. We've seen it all. This this is who <laughs> Michael Crabtree is, and it's okay. But he but the problem is, it's always somebody else's fault with Michael Crabtree. That's the problem I have with him. It, it's never you know I got to be better. I got to do this. It's oh he didn't get me the ball here. Or, you know the refs are letting him hold and all this. It's always somebody else's fault with Michael Crabtree, man. Um. When the weather gets cold, hold on. Let's, the Green Bay the game, was, now, it was very cold, but see, look, listen to the two dynamics I said. When the weather gets cold and you got some DBs that'll get physical <laughs> with you, he did not have that in, in, in Green Bay. He did not have that. It was a very soft defense, and he took advantage of it. He was he was great in that game. He was great. But like I said, when you when you start playing, and then I guess he was he was decent. I think he was over 100 yards against Baltimore in the, in the uh 
in the Super Bowl. But that, Super Bowl. Def- that defense was a little suspect, too. It was on reputation. It wasn't a great defense. It was, it was more so on their reputation. They got shredded in that second I mean, he bought that whole He bought that whole playoffs, though. And against it's soft defenses, yes. Against soft defenses. Am, am I lying? Am I, am, I, am I saying the wrong thing here? He's good when about, you give him space and you don't you can't get physical with him. Like he's he's great when you can give him space and you let him dictate the pace. He's great. He will put those moves on you like you like you tweeted out. But somebody get up in his grill, and it's a problem. He can't get off that. Mm. Mm. I mean, okay. Look, look at look, 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 the Raiders offensively as a whole wasn't really special against you know the Kansas City and against yeah. and against Denver. It wasn't. You can't really solely you can't solely put that on Crabtree. I mean, the off, the only game they beat the the only game they beat the Broncos they ran it down the Broncos' throat. Right. They didn't need to pass the ball like that. They ran it down their throats. But as far as KC who beat them twice and then as far as um as far as Denver that's pretty honestly oh well hold on what's his name got hurt I mean, he didn't even have car you know when in that in the last game against Denver he didn't have but his like chain said, either though, he didn't have his chain the last game against Denver stop being rude <laughs> that's not being rude but I'm saying as as I said though you know uh that that that's more that's more to it than just Crabtree I mean the offensive line you know, when they're dealing with those that pass rush and Derek Carr, you know, doesn't have a lot of time to throw. I mean, I can't just solely put it on Crabtree. I thought Crabtree made, I thought Crabtree came up big in, in some in a lot of games because I mean, his, actually, if you look at his numbers, hold on, hold on, let me tell you this: his numbers are, I'm pretty sure, are better than Antonio Brown's playoffs numbers. I look. I I I don't I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm not going to dispute it one way or another because he's had some he's had some big playoff games. I'm not going I'm not going to dispute that. And here's the thing with Michael Crabtree. Here's the other thing with him is I don't think he's a scrub. Like I don't think he's not talented. Like he's definitely talented. I think ultimately what he is though, and once again he's not the guy he thinks he is and what he was advertised to be. He's a number two. He's a number two, and when he can go up against your number two DB, you know what I'm saying, or whatever the case may be, he shines. But he's not that guy, that number one whoa, guy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Matter of fact, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, hold on. So we're not going to – so we just going to look past all the times he exposed, all the times he exposed Patrick, Patrick Peterson. Peterson. A, lot of people, a lot of people have exposed Patrick Peterson. Oh, no, 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 no. When Patrick Peterson was at the height of his career, because Patrick Peterson struggled in 2000, I believe it was 2014 or was it it was 2014. He struggled because then he came back in 2015. He had a great year. Last year, he he also had a good year. But 2014, it was the year, like, he struggled. But, But not too many people was exposing, you know, was exposing Patrick Peterson from, from whenever he came in the league into 2013, but Crabtree was. Okay. Crabtree had some okay. games against him where he said, "Okay, I'm gonna give it to you." Okay, I'll give you that. Now, Richard Sherman—that's a whole other. Richard Sherman is a whole other level. I mean, I can't take up for Crabtree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, but you're right. I, like I said, I just I I think Crabtree is a number two, and if he would have just left and been like, "Hey, man, thanks for my time." You know, I'm out of here or whatever the case may be. But, no, you always got to kick dirt on somebody when he's leaving, man, whether it's the quarterback that's leaving or he's leaving or whatever. He always got to throw some jabs, throw some shade. So back to your original question, this is why we don't respect him and Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis did the same thing on his way out of the door. Talking about like he wasn't just a complete scrub the last two years he was in San Francisco, and he and he up here. Oh yeah, you know, I couldn't do good because you know we weren't a good team or whatever. He said, no, no, that had nothing to do with you just being a dog the last two years in San Francisco. We, I was fine with Vernon until he tried to place the blame on somebody else for his terrible play, and he put he had one catch or something like that with Denver the year they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Garbage. Now he came back. He had a good year last year. I'll give him that. 
He, he played well last year. But the, your specific question for Vernon and Michael Crabtree, that's that's the reason why, in my opinion, because they okay. wanted to throw dirt I, I, on their way out the door. And this is and this is what I was getting to for for Vernon Davis. There's really no excuses because the dude literally just I don't know after that Cowboys game, uh, oh. after that Cowboys game, I I don't know what happened to him. Something in Texas <laughs> got onto him, and maybe the Cowboys you know sunk all they suckness on him, and that's why they started to become good. Because man, they did, they Vernon did like Davis the monsters. They did like the monsters. <laughs> Bro, he did. could not. Ca- he could not catch. So he definitely, he definitely had, he definitely uh, had no excuses. But what I will say, I will say for Crabtree, Kaepernick in 2014 definitely did struggle, and Ka- and, and Kaepernick definitely wasn't really getting the ball like he should have. And, and you easily can tell because his body language, you know, I went to school for communications and mm. bro, his body language from the get just was off, right. you know, because Kaepernick was off. And I was very frustrated with Kaepernick because I, I felt like Kaepernick was over-reliant on Anquan Bolden mm. and, and wasn't really, you know, relying on Crabtree. I definitely thought he, he would, only really look for Anquan on third downs. He was just all because of, you know, what happened in uh, 2013 when, you know, Crabtree was down, Bolden became that big guy. And so I definitely thought that in 2014, I definitely thought, you know, um, Kaepernick and and key moments, you know, key third downs, he was just don't, and and I don't even think he was really, you know, doing his progressions. He was just like, I'm going to throw it to Anquan Bolton. And I think that's why this year in 2016, when he didn't have an Anquan Bolton to go to, you've seen him actually making his progressions, making his reads, making his throws. He was way better in 2016 than he was in 2014 and 2015. And so I definitely thought Crabtree had every right to be angry and mad at Kaepernick. Now, as far as body language, you know, you got to be a better professional, you know, and and you got to carry yourself the right way. But throwing the jabs at Kaepernick, I mean, honestly, it was fair game because Kaepernick just wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And I definitely thought, even though I know Kaepernick was getting sacked a lot, I definitely thought Kaepernick, you know, should have – show Crouchy a little bit more respect, you know, and, and should have relied on him a little bit more because I definitely thought think Crouchy's a really good receiver. But at the end of the day, you're right. He is a number two receiver. But he's a very good number two receiver. Yeah, he's good. I mean he's you don't just number two get a thousand he, he had a good season with the Raiders. You don't get a thousand year. yards. He had two good seasons with the Raiders. Two really good seasons with the Raiders, you know, and so like I said, I mean, um Crabtree is a very good number two receiver and I respect him, and I love how he runs routes and everything. You know, um, and, and Vernon Davis, yeah, he just had no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> he had no excuses, none whatsoever. So, yeah, that that's that's the thing. I, I will not bring up his chain snatching on this podcast with my man Chris. I won't do it. Chris, if you guys missed it, Chris got – he says he wasn't mad at me, but he, he got a, he, he was a little perturbed. I, was, I, I wasn't up. mad. I wasn't <laughs> mad. I really wasn't mad. I just I was just like, you know, when sometimes when people like let's say I'm tweeting about something, somebody come up with something so just that doesn't have nothing to do with it. I'd be like, really? And, and then I didn't laugh. Like normally, I laugh at most jokes. I didn't right. laugh. So I was like. Look, Kenny, I, that was not funny. I was being was an ass. Funny. I was being an ass. I can admit that. I was being a jerk. I know because you don't like Crabtree. You don't like Crabtree. I'm trying to think of if I like don't like Crabtree. I don't. I he just. I wouldn't say that. He just. Bothers you don't like me. Crabtree. Just admit it. Say it. I don't uh, like Crabtree. He just kind of bothers me. He just kind of bothers. <laughs> He's me. a diva. I understand. Yeah, He's a diva. Kind of bothers. Me. We're not going to disagree. Not 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 to say I don't like. Because I mean, I I have the Crab 15 jersey. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I I liked him when he was in San Francisco. It was just something didn't sit well. Like I I didn't like I didn't like like I said him. Always passing the blame off to somebody else. That's just kind of bothered me. But he, Crabtree. He's a diva. Yeah, Crabtree, I, I wish him the best, man. I wish him the best. Actually, I'm, I'm lying because if he does the best, then that means the Raiders are good, and I definitely don't want that. So I just wish him not to get hurt. How about that? I, I hope he doesn't get hurt. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Yes, let's, yes. let's move on a little bit. And, um, Chris, the reason why I have you on here. I mean, first of all, we always, you know, have a good conversation back and forth. But um, 
to the point of it all, the draft is a few days away. We're finally here. And it's been much uh, talked about by me. I'm definitely not a, a draft build-up guy in the least. I don't do mock drafts. I don't like mock drafts. Um, I try to stay away from mock drafts for the most part. I'm just not a build-up to the draft guy. It's entirely too long. We've talked about things. I know guys like you, you've been talking about it since November. But, I mean, even the people who aren't as hardcore as you and a, and a Matt Miller, whatever the case may be, we've been talking about this since since January for four, five, six months. What what are we talking about for four, five, six months? So I'm, I'm just not a big draft guy, but we're finally here. Now, I am excited for the draft itself in the week before the draft when things start to pick up. So I couldn't think of a better guy to have on to sit up here and talk about what the Niners could possibly do in this draft. And we're not going to go through all seven rounds I know you probably could if we if we needed to, but we'll go through at least you know the first couple of rounds here, and I'll start you off with the much debated on number two pick. I'm gonna just ask you. I already know what you're gonna say, but I want you to tell the people number two. What do the Niners need to do with number two? Uh, either take Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. or hopefully get a team that's interested in trading with and then like possibly the Buffalo Bills take their 10th pick. They give us, you know, a future first. They'll give us a second. And um, we we go from there at at the 10th pick and take somebody like, you know, Deshaun Watson, a quarterback of the future. And that's your guy. I know he's your guy. So we are definitely going to talk about this Watson factor. We're going to talk about it, but go ahead. Yeah, it's just the fact that, you know, we we need a lot of help. So, you know, if you could get a team that's interested, then make that trade, you know. And, you know, you hear a lot of people on Twitter or more so just the Twitter people. I call them a trade back Twitter because they talk about it as <laughs> if it's so easy to trade back. Like, trade oh, back trade back, Twitter. trade back. Like, it's that it's not that easy to trade back. It takes you know, two you to gotta tango. get a team that's Exactly. And you got to get a team that's willing to give up some, you know, real life assets. Exactly. Because if you go and do your, if you go and do your research and history for the number two pick, there's a lot that's been given up for it. So, you know, the 49ers are not going to get, they're not going to be so desperate that they're not going to get what they deserve in return for the number two pick. Now, see, this is what I would say about that. And you're, you're right about the things in the past, but I would disagree with you on the fact of this year, Unless, and 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 I sent you, we you know I talked about the tweet, you know where you know people have been asking about quarterbacks or whatever. Maybe that's the case, and and we don't know it. But I don't see the clamoring over any of these quarterbacks that would get a team to give up the farm the way they normally would for a number two. I I, I don't see it. I mean, I hear some buzz about Trubisky. A lot of people feel good about Watson, but. Everything, every most of the stuff that I hear is people are like, don't don't even take a quarterback in the first round. So, if that's what they're putting out there, why? Like what you talked about with Buffalo, as a 49er fan, yeah, I'd love that. Let's do this. But that's a lot to get Solomon Thomas. You know what I'm saying? Like the trade trade up eight spots, give away your second rounder and a first rounder next year for. Uh, Reuben Foster or whoever's I don't I don't know about that I don't know about that well, usually well, those deals are made for quarterbacks am I right not necessarily the position players no because you got to remember Ricky Williams I mean the Saints gave up everything for him right you also now, remember that was, look, the that was one of the worst draft worst trades of all time ever but you also got to look at what the falcons gave up for julio jones because i think they got the julio jones in the top 10 yeah so i mean it has it has been done before but yes quarterbacks are normally the ones where people give up the whole farm for them but um the bills are definitely looking for a quarterback and trubisky is a guy who a lot of people do like um i mean just because you don't hear the clamoring and that's really just because from from ESPN, the NFL guys, we don't know what these executives are talking about. 
because these guys, they really do like some players, but you just, you may not know, you know, or, you know, they may not want to give up a lot. Um, but I definitely think, let's say the Bills, who definitely want to look for a quarterback, they possibly, you know, would like to trade up and, and give up the form for, for somebody like Trubisky. But I doubt they will because they can just get a quarterback in the later rounds because they already have a quarterback right now. But, but yeah, man, um, the Bills, you know, they got Tyrod Taylor, but we all know they, they're not really sold on him. And I watched a couple of his games. He's not that great to me. So, you never know. They may take Trubisky, but it, it, it really just depends. You know, like I said, a team has got to be willing to want to trade with us. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, um, if no team makes a trade with us, I honestly don't mind us taking Jamal Adams. Even though I, And at first I was against us taking a safety because I definitely think Eric Reed and uh, Jimmy Ward would be perfect. But – Jamal Adams is an alpha dog, mm-hmm. and he would he, he would be a really good free safety for us. Right. And him running that four him running that four three three, honestly, man, whew, man, uh, man, that that really opened up my eyes. So okay, so look, I got a I got a couple of questions. So let me ask you this: There's a scenario out there that some people think is really real. The Browns pass on Garrett and take Trubisky. If that comes to fruition, are you still in the market for a trade, or are you just saying no, Miles Garrett, hands down? Miles Garrett, hands down, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Mm. It would be really disrespectful <laughs> to uh, to the 49er nation, the 49er empire, uh-huh. to pass on somebody like Miles Garrett. Uh, I watched Miles Garrett back when he was a sophomore, and I literally knew after watching that game, he was going to be the first pick in the draft, mm. you know. So uh, he's be a top five player. Right. He's a bigger, stronger, fast. You know, I don't like to you know, players, but when you watch him, that's what you see. It's just, I mean, they went to the same school, and and you just look at him, you like this is dude is huge. Mm. You and, said and, you said Von Miller. Got, Von Miller is who he, he compares to to you. Yeah, the bigger one. So. Uh, a bigger Von Miller, a bigger, stronger Von Miller. Right. And I'm not, you know, he'll be better than him because I mean, we honestly, at the end of the day, we'll never know. But that's just who I see, you know. So, and, you know, pass rush is huge in the NFL nowadays. You know, in order to stop a Tom Brady, you need a good pass rush. And that's what the Broncos did in, you know, 2000 and the 2015 season when they won the Super Bowl. They got after Tom Brady. They got after Cam Newton. And Cam Newton is a mobile quarterback. So pass rushing is huge. So you can have somebody like a Miles Garrett. You can have somebody like a Arik Armstead with a DeForest Buckner. Now you're talking about even possibly being the, the 2011 and 2007 New York Giants. And guess who they beat? They beat Tom Brady. You know, you beat the best with the best, uh, you beat the best quarterback with the best defensive line. Best linebackers, pass rushing linebackers. Uh, you see Aaron Rodgers. All the years that he struggled against us, because we were up in his grill. Even when we played Tom Brady in 2012, up yeah. in his grill. Alden Smith was terrorizing Tom Brady until shook. Tom Brady started coming back. Man, yeah, so uh, pass rush is huge. Miles Garrett is huge. Our defense needs it, and he can stop the run. So I definitely think that. Uh, he would be somebody that, oh, man. Now, man. now, yeah. now, Chris, we've talked about this before. You know, we had conversations, debates months ago about taking um, that defensive line guy. I know you said, you know, Garrett's going to go to the linebacker position when he gets to the NFL. Um, with that high of a pick, and I talked about how um, Von Miller is the outlier in a situation where most of the time, 90% of the time, those guys don't pan out. Now, I will say this. I'm not saying that about Garrett. I've conceded on Garrett, you know, to people like yourself who've seen him a little more than I have or, you know, I mean, everybody is sold on him. So I'm just not going to be the guy this time to be like, oh, I don't know. He might be a bust just like the rest of those defensive linemen. I'm not going to do that, okay? So 
I'm fine with Garrett. I'm fine with Garrett at two. But I was talking to Gab about this. I and and this goes into you taking Adams as well at two. I want an offensive stud. I want an offensive stud. Okay? And when Gab was on here uh, before you, he talked about taking a Corey Davis at number two. And, I, I mean, I'm for something like that. I I know it's against all um, rules of defense wins championships and all this the the team that wins championships has the most points. That's who wins championships. Okay, so so I need an offensive stud when I need to get some points when I need to move the ball, whether it's a quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, wherever you want to go. I need a playmaker on offense. What do you say about that at number two? I'd say H E double hockey stick. No. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, man. At the end of the day, it's about value. And what you can get. Oh, here we go. So here we that's go. why we that's why I'm a, that's why I'm opposed to to taking you know to taking a, a Deshaun Watson at two because my thing is this: if we can force a team into a trade, then I'm definitely can take a Watson at ten. But also, we're adding more to where we can get even more for our team. Um, I mean, but it, but at the end of the day, if you're really sold on a player like truly, truly, truly sold on a player and think he's going to be this this dynamic thing, then, I mean, by all means, I get him. But, I mean, you're, risk, you're risking more, you know. So I would, I would say this. You could get more and get the player you want, you know. So uh, Corey Davis, though, I don't even think he's the best receiver in the, in the draft. I definitely think Mike Williams is the best receiver in the draft. Mm. And I definitely think the reason – and, and I definitely and I definitely think this is another reason why you don't take a, a receiver at number two is because this class is 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 loaded with receivers that you can take in a second, third, fourth, fifth round, you know? So um That's a good point. Throw out somebody throw somebody out like like uh Malachi Dupree, mm. who had literally terrible quarterbacks at LSU. This kid can run beautiful routes. He's got good speed. I believe he's got four four speed, if not four five speed. Mm. Uh, he can run. He, he's got really good hands, and you just really haven't seen him because his quarterbacks were terrible. And he and he went to LSU, and I've watched him since his, his freshman year. Right. You know, so oh, you got somebody like Juju Smith. He's not as explosive, but this man, he he makes plays. Juju Smith is a playmaker. You got John Ross. I mean, we all know the four two two speed. Uh, he could take a top off a of defense, you know. I mean, he does have a little bit of injury history, but that's what I said, second, third, fourth round, you know. So, uh, and also, you know, just what we added in the offseason, I mean, they're no number one, but just somebody like Audrey Robinson, um, you got you got Goodwin and, and Garcon. So you got some players who, 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 who got experience, right. you know. So I definitely think, if we're going in this draft, we're going to get a, a, a big-time, big receiver, but I'm not going to take him at number two. It, it just wouldn't make sense when, you know, this draft is definitely deep with receivers. And you also have Zay Jones, you know? Right. So right. Um, you, got some, you got somebody like him. Uh, you got Patrick – I mean, you got, Chris, you got Chris Godwin, who Penn State, who lit up USC. I watched that game. I mean, the kid was special, and he had a good combine as well. So – you got uh, Cooper Cup, you know, uh, one of the uh, 49ers writers, Kyle Madison, put me on to him. Right. You know, so I definitely think there's a lot of talented receivers that you can you can get in this draft, and you just don't want to go at number two just to get a receiver. Uh, see, when the Falcons went up, and I think they got Julio around like four or five or six right. in the draft, when they got Julio, their team was ready for Julio. They needed that one big playmaker to put it to, uh, put to put them over the edge, right. which you know. At the end of the day, I, th- it was a good move by them, but we're not in a position to get a big time playmaker receiver at number two when you know it. You know, like I said, you can go in the second, third, fourth round and get somebody. I think that could be a really impact, a, a really uh, big time impactful player. 
So definitely at, at number two, you gotta go defense. I, I mean, but there's even talk that I, I disagree. You don't have to go defense. Well, well, well this is what I'm about to say. There, there's talk that we, you know, we may get Leonard Fournette. Now, I'm opposed to us going at number two to get Leonard Fournette because I still have a lot of faith in Carlos Hyde. Yeah. But if we were to do it, I wouldn't be mad because Fournette is special. I don't. I don't you think. Know? Um, I don't think you can give. I don't think you can get mad at anybody they pick at number two simply because they have so many holes. So no matter where you go, there's still going to be holes. Even if you go defense, we're still going to have holes on offense. We're still not going to have a a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So using your point about them not being at a a point where all they need is one thing, I think in whatever direction they go, whether it was receiver, defensive lineman, linebacker, quarterback, wherever, running back, as long as it's a, a a player that they feel can make multiple Pro Bowls, you know, can be a foundation piece for a, a possible Super Bowl contending team down the road, I think that's the way you go. Now I'm gonna ask you this: we're gonna we're gonna have this talk with Deshaun Watson, okay? We're gonna have the talk. All right, this this is a lot of people have seen us go back and forth about this in the past, and I I will admit, you have I don't know if he's grown on you or if you took a deeper look into it. You are a little more pro Watson than you were say five months ago and so we're, we're, we're pretty much on the same on the same page am I am I right about that you're 100% right all right so here's the thing though I would take him at number two and I'm gonna tell you why we talked about this I talked about it in the past podcast I think I might have went back and forth with you about this if you had the draft last year he was he if he was a junior last year after their loss to Alabama He's the number one pick in the draft. He's ahead of golf. He's ahead of Wentz. Everybody was saying if this guy was available now, he'd be the hands-down number one. Going into next year, um, he's going to be the consensus number one. They had another year to kind of pick him apart. It just kind of overanalyzed, you know, some of his, uh, I mean, maybe flaws or whatever. I mean, there wasn't anything he could do to rise his stock. The only thing he could do his junior year was for it to fall. And they just picked him apart or whatever. All he did was win, 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 lead, 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 go out and avenge his national title loss to Alabama the next year with one of uh, one of the greatest comebacks we've seen in college football history against a, a, what everybody was deeming one of the best defenses we've ever seen in college football, and he shredded them. Now, people might say pace or whatever the case may be, whatever. He did what he was supposed to do, and he did it. It can. It reminds me, and you can you can answer this for me. Tell me what the differences are. It's the same exact thing. Jameis Winston went through. Jameis Winston wins a national championship, beating Auburn. He's the best quarterback in the land. He's going to be everybody's number one. He comes back his next year, and they pick him apart. You know what I'm saying? Just dissecting him for every little thing, and he makes it out still as the number one picking a draft that following year now the crazy thing about it is before i let you answer because i know you want to touch on it Jameis's numbers his junior year are worse than deshaun watson's his junior year i think he had like six or seven more interceptions he might have had uh six or seven less touchdowns his junior year and there was really no question that he was going to be the number one pick and and he's been fine in the nfl he's ascending as we speak why isn't that the same situation with Deshaun Watson, in your opinion? I'm I, I'm actually glad you brought that up. Uh, well, first, I don't know if uh, Deshaun Watson would have been a first pick last year just off of that game because, yes, if, after you watch the national championship game, you're like, oh, my God, yeah, he's, he's really good. But if they would have, you know, had time to pick him apart, they would have picked him apart and they would have, and they would have uh, had uh, Jared Goff as the number one, unfortunately. I thought Goff was terrible before the draft. And uh, this year, even though people say you got to give him a pass because he had Jeff Fisher, uh, he was terrible this year. He was, he was so me, I, I mean, I, I literally couldn't see where he showed any signs of where he could be a good quarterback in this league. I mean, you could not beat out Case Keenum. That's, that's really sad. So, uh I mean, I don't know, man. Um, Jared Goff was just terrible. So, but but 
I definitely think they still would have given it to Goff, unfortunately. Now, let's let's talk about this. Jameis Winston, when you watch, one, he came from a pro-style offense. Okay, that's what I figured. NFL-ready offense. So when you watch Jameis Winston play, I mean, this dude, you could tell this dude, he's going to be great. And the reason why Watson numbers was better than Jameis Winston's is because Watson comes from an offense that inflates the numbers. So you got to understand the history of the spread offense. You know, the, the spread offense is where you had somebody like um, Colt Brennan from Hawaii. He threw 50-something touchdown passes. He threw 58 touchdown passes, you know, for Hawaii. I mean, you had players like um, Blaine Gabbert going ham against teams. Alex Smith, you know, not a check-down guy, but literally lighting teams up. Tim Tebow throwing 30 touchdown passes, um, running running for 15 touchdowns. I mean, the spread offense, Graham Harrell, 40-something touchdowns, 30-something touchdowns, going for 5,000-something yards for Texas Tech. Uh, Oregon with all their offense, you know, uh, offensive quarterbacks and players. And, and so, you know, when you talk about the spread offense, which honestly hurts a lot of quarterbacks, that that offense hurts and stunts quarterbacks' growth. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you when you compare Jameis Winston and you compare Deshaun Watson, the the difference is and the reason why Jameis was number one was clear cut NFL offense, and so it was easy to translate. It was so yeah. I mean, the spread offense really stunts the growth of you know quarterbacks and it, it, and just look at it. if we look at the top ten quarterbacks in the league today. Um, let me try to go off the top of my head, but uh, the best – here, I'll say it like this. The best – We're losing you a little bit, bro. Okay. The best player to go. come out the spread offense was Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, it was not only until this year where another quarterback who really let it up is Dak Prescott, who came out the spread offense. Mm. But not a lot of people were high on him because, I mean, he, he was coming out that type, that style of offense, and he wasn't really, you know, super special at um, Mississippi State. I mean, he was good, especially, I think, his junior year. But when he came back his senior year, you know, he, he actually put up better numbers. But the hype was around Mississippi State because I think they got all the way to, to number two uh, and his uh junior year i believe right so um it wasn't until him him coming into the league where he really you know shows something but if you look at all the spread offense quarterbacks take a look you got rg3 you had kaepernick you had um you have uh Tannehill. you know i mean you have Tannehill had a solid year this year by the way yeah yeah yes this year so you got to think about it, though. One, it's the growth and how long it takes for them to succeed in the NFL. Two, you see, let, let's just look at Cam Newton and Kaepernick. Cam Newton. I mean, not Cam Newton, but uh, uh, RG3 and Kaepernick. RG3, lit it up his first year. Mm-hmm. He's regressed ever since. He wanted to be a pocket passer after his little injuries, which his injuries wasn't caused by him you know, being in that office that he ran, it was caused by him, you know, just literally just running out the pocket because, you know, he had to escape, yeah. you know. But uh, he's he's never been the same quarterback, you know, after his first year. Um, Kaepernick, you know, as big of a fan of I, I, I am with him, he definitely regressed from his first year in the league. You have uh, Alex Smith. Let's look at Alex Smith. It took him seven years to be the quarterback he is today, and – which the type of quarterback he is today is an average quarterback. Right. Um, you you have um, Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr, some people will throw out, oh, what about Derek Carr? Derek Carr, his first year, his first year at Fresno State was able to play in a pro-style office. That's very important. You know, so then he did go translate to the spread, and he, you know, he lit it up. But at least he had time to be in a pro-style office. You have Jared Goff so far. You know, so far, not looking good. 
Um, you got Mariota. Now, Mariota is, is looking good. He looks like he's going to be a good quarterback. And I was actually wrong on Mariota mm-hmm. because he turned me off being from the spread offense. Right. But then you have um, you have Sam Bradford, who's he's a journeyman quarterback. Um, you you have, Blaine, like I said, Blaine Gabbert, who's literally terrible. Uh, you have Bryce Petty, who lit up numbers at uh, Baylor, terrible. You have uh, who, who else? I'm, I'm looking at who, who who lost their way. Uh, Tim Tebow. Yeah, there's a there's a number number of different guys that you know come out of the spread, don't make it. I, those are valid points. I get that, and that's the one thing I thought, you know, maybe was the thing was Winston, you know, came from a pro style offense, so people trusted that a little bit more. Um, you, you just know how I feel about Deshaun Watson. I I I think highly of the young man. I've just like you, I'm a communications major and I've I've kind of studied this guy and the way he carries himself and the way he interacts with his teammates and the way he he leads his teammates. He's a leader of men. He is a leader of men. And we're on a we're with a franchise that is devoid of leaders out there on the field. And I think Lynch and Shanahan are, are are great leaders, you know, in the front office and on the sidelines respectively. But in that huddle, in that huddle they don't have anybody they can look to and say, we believe in you. And I think Deshaun Watson would be that type of guy. And then you've got the situation in place where he doesn't have to come in and start right away. He can take that year or so to to learn to play a little pro-style offense or whatever the case may be. And I'll ask you this. i ask everybody else this. Once again, if you had a, a guy that you believe in, that you think, can be your quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. That's the value right there. People talk about value. That's the value. You find, you you think this is the guy, you take that guy, and you take him at number two. Now, we talked about what we wanted. And obviously, I want Deshaun. I would take Deshaun. You talked about Adams. It's what you want. You would take Adams. What do you think the Niners will do at number two? Before I answer that, I want to go to Deshaun Watson because I didn't I, I didn't even get to talk about um, what you just exactly talked about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with Deshaun Watson, that's me. I was I was judging him off of the spread, 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 spread. You know, I'm really anti-spread offense, honestly. You know, right? Even though if I if I if I was in high school and I was coaching out, right? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I was anti, anti, you know, spread offense. And then one thing I feel like really changed me was was Dak Prescott last year, mm. and just watching him. And number one thing that that stood out to me, and that was in the preseason, first preseason game. That's when I, I mean, you can catch my tweets about it too. His first preseason game, I was sold after that, right. because one thing I seen was his composure. And I said, man, this is dangerous. This kid is super composed. Right. I mean, nothing rattled him. He he just looked so good. So um, I actually, so while you were talking, you listed every single point that I actually put out about Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. and what you like from him. So it wasn't until March, March 6th, March 6th, <laughs> 2017, was the day that I, that I changed my my opinions on Deshaun Watson. And, and let me tell you, I watched Deshaun Watson a lot. Right. And I mean, I was arguing with people on the timeline. I was telling them he's going to be the next RG3. He was going to be just terrible. And and then, I mean, just watching him and watching him watch him. The national championship game didn't do nothing for me because I watched Vince Young take down, you know, people saying, when people were saying USC was possibly the greatest you know, college football team ever are. They were being compared to the greatest. They were being, you know, uh, ranked amongst, you know, the best and looked at as one of the best ever. But, uh, so I watched Vince Young tear up a team and then come into the league. Real quick. uh, Hold your your thought about that because I want to address that. Vince Young was actually pretty good his rookie year. Wasn't he rookie of the year? His his first year? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Because his team started, his team like started uh, like 0-6 and he came in and, um, I think they went eight and eight. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. I like Vince Young. Vince Young was decent right. in but, the NFL. But, but no, was, what I was going to say was, and it's going to add to your point is, Vince Young didn't have the discipline as a professional to keep that up. Oh yeah, and that's oh yeah, where Deshaun I Watson I don't think 
would have that problem. And his coach, and and his coach was his Very coach true. really stunned his growth because he didn't want him. Very and, true. You know, so he wasn't really you know helping. He didn't help the situation. Jeff Fisher, of course, right. didn't help the situation. So, but but I'm saying is I I wasn't I would not. I was not sold after just because of a big national championship game. That's not going to sell me. Okay. But I took a step back and I had to think about it. I'm like, you know what? One, I had to think about Dak Prescott. Then I had to think about, you know, just, you know, my favorite quarterback, Tom Brady. Then I had to think about, you know, just all the times that I watched Deshaun Watson. And this is what, this is what I got out of it is that all the times that I watched Deshaun Watson, when 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 panic set, you know, amongst his team or the crowd, and when when things got tight, and, and I mean his teams was down, and he threw like two three interceptions. At the end of the day, Deshaun Watson was never rattled. This mm-hmm. man was composed in every single game he played, mm-hmm. and the thing that he had was his teammates knew every game they knew that they were going to win because they had Deshaun Watson in the huddle. Right. That's powerful. Right. That's powerful to me. And so I found my tweet, and this is the tweet that I said, and I and I called myself out. I said things that I failed to look at when, you know, talking to Deshaun Watson was composure in tough situations, his clutch ability, and his leadership. Mm-hmm. And that and that leads to and that equals success in the NFL. And I think, you know, Deshaun Watson, his leadership cannot be questioned. Uh, he's flawed. He's a very flawed quarterback. I'll tell you that right now. He's a very flawed quarterback with decision-making, with accuracy, with, with, um, with um, um, discipline, with his footwork and everything. At the end of the day, Deshaun Watson, his, his composure and, and um, thing that I think is super, super, super underrated and this is what i bring in tom brady because tom brady uh, the thing about him was he he literally didn't have nothing i mean everybody hated his uh arm everybody literally hated his athletic ability i mean they just they really just counted this kid out but what most scouts miss just like they miss with dak prescott mm-hmm. is intangibles yes yes intangibles is something that you cannot we need to stop underrating intangibles. Right. And so I think, you know, intangibles for, for Deshaun Watson is definitely off the charts. And I think that's the reason why I would love for him to be the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers and to even, um, to, to, to maybe even send a little shot wave out there. I definitely think he could start over Brian Hoyer. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Now, see, I'm not. I'm not trying to throw him out there in the fire week one. I give. I'd give him bro, some time. Bro. But I look. I I agree with you though. A lot of things that you said, I agree with you. The biggest thing I look at Deshaun Watson, and one of the biggest things is, like you said, there, there's there's holes in his game. There's you know things that he needs to work on. I believe Deshaun Watson will care enough to fix all that. I like I just believe it. that's like that's like guys in the NBA come in they can't shoot the ball they can't dribble or whatever the guys that care enough to say you know what this is a flaw my I want to get better I'm determined to get better I believe he's one of those guys like whatever's the issue I, he'll 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 try to he'll try his dance at the very least he will care enough to try everything he can to improve on that I, I agree one hundred percent and the reason why I say and that's the reason why because you got to understand. Dak Prescott had a lot of flaws coming out mm-hmm. and maybe even more flaws than um, Deshaun Watson. So that's why I'm saying like he can start in, you know, the NFL and people like to, you know, you know, bash Dak Prescott and say, well, look at his offensive line and, you know, look at, look at what he was, he was put in the right position. I say, I'll say to them this, well, look at that. Uh, they had the same offensive line the year before. And you had about you had um, a bunch Brandon of Whedon. Scrubs. I think I mean you had Brandon Whedon. Uh, who else? I was just a bunch of terrible quarterbacks in there. What did the, what did the Cowboys do? So 
So Dak coming in wasn't just just because of the offensive line and the receivers was great. And then, and then somebody threw, threw out to me, well, Des Bryant was injured, so those other quarterbacks didn't have him either. And I said to them, I said, oh, yeah, that Kellen Moore as well, quarterback. Oh, I said to them, Jesus. I said, oh, and Matt Castle. I said to him, I said, uh, you do realize a lot of times Prescott wasn't even throwing to Des Bryant. I mean, and especially even in the games they didn't have Des Bryant, he did really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of at one point we were talking about do the Cowboys really need Des Bryant? Are they better off without Des Bryant? Because one thing Dak does is he spreads the ball around. So I, I, I thought that, you know, people, you know, were trying to discredit him, didn't really look at the facts in 2015 when they were talking about Dak. So to bring it back to Deshaun Watson, one thing I think is that the 49ers offensive line, you got Joshua Garnett, who's coming in his second year and improved tremendously on what people said was his weak point was pass blocking. Mm-hmm. He, he improved down the stretch of the season. And then you have Joe Staley coming back. You know, he's a veteran, amazing player, the most under underappreciated player we have on our football team. This guy is a constant professional. I love that man. Exactly. And then you got Trent Brown. He, you know, Trent Brown, of course, he get, you know, he'll get holding calls or whatever. But at, at the end of the day, you know, Trent Brown's going to get better, even if he, he, he may need to lose a little bit more weight, but he's going to get better. And then we added another uh, a, a Pro Bowl offensive lineman from um, the Baltimore Ravens you know, who I think will be a really good center for us because I couldn't stand Kilgore. And then um, Zane Beatles is Zane Beatles. He always get beat. So hopefully we can draft somebody else. So I think our offensive line, you know, has some chemistry. And I think, you know, adding somebody, you know, like Zutton, I believe that's his name, you know, to, to have at least a good four, a good four is, is really important. And right. I think the 49ers, and I think, you know, so Deshaun Watson coming in, if they give him the keys from the start, I think he can be really good. And I think, you know, I would rather have him start from the fire and even have, and long as, you know, Brian Hoyer is there to help him and train him, I think, you know, just give him the keys. Let him start, man. That's what they did with, with uh, James Winston, I believe. They let him yeah. start from the get-go. Yeah. You know, um, sure. I mean, they didn't do that with, they didn't do that with Dak, but Dak had to come in early and, and do it because Romo was hurt. Um, Matt Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan had, to, had the keys from the get. Um, you had Russell Wilson who got the keys from the gig. Derek Carr, I believe, had the keys from the gig. I'm pretty sure. So, you know, it works with some quarterbacks. You know, when you throw kids into the fire, a lot of times the offensive line is just terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so, let me, so let me ask you this. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to the question one more before I get you out of here because I think the show we've been talking for – 30 40 minutes but people don't even know we were talking for like 30 minutes before that just rapping you know what i mean so uh, <laughs> you, we've had a lot of time on the phone but i gonna let you enjoy the rest of your evening but you would take adams you would trade back i would take watson gab said Corey davis i'm not even mad at that i just want a blue chip stud what do you think the niners will do with number two are you are you saying Solomon Torres? I mean, we've seen that connected a lot. Do you think that's the way they go? They even actually this past weekend they actually have reports that they're really big on Watson. Do you think that's? I haven't heard that at all this whole process. And then all of a sudden, a week before the draft, I hear they're big on Watson. Do you think that's just a smokescreen to try and get people to trade up? Do you think they really could take him? I don't think I don't think they I have any interest in him personally. I, I, I'll tell you this. Uh, from what I know, the Niners believe Watson and Tangibles are off the chart. Mm, a little exclusive right here. A little exclusive. But um, I definitely don't think they'll take them number two. I, I, I can almost put my money on that. Uh, I will tell you this. This is what you need to look out for. Because I can't give you a definitive answer, mm. but what I will tell you is this: is Jamal Adams, Malik Hooker, mm-hmm. and and Leonard Fournette, you know, may be the guys that that the Forty Niners may take. And honestly, they even may look at Trubisky, you know. Oh. So oh. Trubisky, yeah, they may look at. And I'm not high on Trubisky at all, but they may look at him. Oh. So it's really, honestly, man, the 49ers will dictate this draft. 
The 49ers can get, they will dictate this draft because honestly, anybody can go number two. Uh, I think this is one of the most talented drafts we had in a long time. But as far as the number two pick, there's no clear cut number two. Uh, anybody can be number two. So you, you don't. So, so you don't think Solomon Thomas is? He's the last guy you think they would take out of all those guys you just mentioned. Well, well, after you know the conversations I had on the timeline, because uh, 49ers Mike, you know uh, Mike, he yeah. was talking about Solomon Thomas and that he would rather take Derek Barnett, who I like a lot as well. Um, I was talking about Solomon Thomas at the, the whole time. I thought Solomon Thomas would play a Leo position, mm. but then after talking to Rob Louder, uh, I don't know if I'm saying the name right, but uh, he said that the, that he uh, um, Solomon Thomas would not play the Leo for the 49ers, and that he would you know just be a regular DM. But that wouldn't make any sense then because I mean we would have Buckner playing that in position. We would have Armstead on the line. Right. We would have um, we would have uh, what do you call it a uh, 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 Mitchell, and then we would have our our Leo position. Right. So who who can who and that would be a Miles Garrett who can stand up, or who can or who can just put their hands on the ground and rush. So that would be like a, a a Miles Garrett, a Carl Lawson, a Derek Barnett, a Tack McKinley. So then. If if we're talking about solid, I think a lot of these scouts they just throw the names out there like, oh, let's just put him with the Niners, you know. But so if 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 Solomon Thomas is not going to play that Leo position, then it literally would not make sense to take him. I, I really under I really wouldn't know why we would take him, right? You know. So uh, huh. and one thing I want to one thing I want to mention for all the 49er fans, and, and for us to be successful. In the draft, and I've studied this, and and I realized why Bill Belichick deserves the praise that he deserves because I'm, I'm I do believe Tom Brady is like a big portion of it, but this is where I'm gonna give Belichick the praise is that he knows how to draft. He drafts players who know how to play football, who who can who is very versatile. Right. That's the type of players you want. You, and, and and you don't want players who can just fit us just one position. Why get a player who can fit one position when you can get a good player who can play multiple positions? That's why when you watch the Patriots, you don't know if the Patriots playing a three four or four three mm. because they do both, and it depends on you know who their opponent is. You you never even know they they may even run a five two right. because they got players who can do multiple things. And I think that's where the success come in. And Kyle Shanahan said it too. He said, because people was like, are you drafting for scheme? Are you drafting for scheme? He said, I think when you talk about getting players for scheme, it's a little overrated. You know, he said, I want guys who can play football. He said, if you can play football, you can play any scheme. Right. He said, now, as like far, he said, as far as, off, he said, as far as offensively, that's a different story because you kind of need players to fit what they want to do more so quarterback and you know just even receivers in a certain positions but as far as defense you know you want players who can who can do multiple things and that's why I love somebody like Reuben Foster or somebody like Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt uh, but Reuben Foster is, is, is put, put himself out the first round in my opinion because this guy you know drugs and getting kicked off the Can't combine stay off so, the weed yeah so so definitely i mean but but that would be a big pickup for us if he can if we can get ruby foster in the second round bro oh baby oh my god oh baby now we talk or 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 zach cunningham who can who can look zach cunningham can play the will he can play the mic he can play the sam for you uh that's a guy who can play bold to bold positions so 49er faithful you know if we want to be successful i think the key to this draft is getting players who can play football, and at at the end of the day, whoever we pick at number two, I just want I just want somebody who can play football. Let's go. I'm with that. Because I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna be mad. I'm not gonna be mad. I, honestly, I'm not gonna be mad if we get Fournette. I'm not gonna be mad if we get you know Jamal Adams. I'm not gonna be mad if we get Deshaun Watson at two. I'm not gonna be mad if we you know. 
I mean, even if we get Mr. Bisky, I'm not going to be mad because it's an upgrade because I definitely don't want Brian Hoyer as my quarterback. You know, uh, the only one I'll be I'll be confused about is is Solomon Thomas. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. Let's just, hey, let's just go ahead and, and root for for a Hall of Famer. I said it with Gab. Let's, the Niners are going to draft their their next Hall of Famer this weekend. I can't wait to see Deshaun who's going to Watson. Be. Ah, I take the Sean Watson. That if he's making a Hall of Fame, MVP brought us a couple of Super Bowls. So yeah, I take that too. I take that too. For somebody, I don't know where he's going to be. Somebody is going to be a future Hall of Famer, and the Niners are are, are, are going to get him this weekend. So it's going to be interesting to see. Interesting to see. Chris, Lake Show King. Thank you, bro. You once again, you you Mel Mel Kuyper this, you Mike Mache this, you you Mayock this whole thing, man. (laughs) We are ready for the draft, man. I appreciate it, big dog. All right, man. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Big ups to my man Chris, aka the Lake Show King, aka your opinion is overrated coming through to KC's corner man and, and blessing us with some draft knowledge this dude he, you know he follows it man he follows it man so uh he knows what he's talking about when he when he looks at these these players so big up to him coming through here rapping with your boy having a good time man having some good conversations some good niner talk draft is here man draft is here it's time like i keep saying they're about to draft their next hall of famer i don't know when it is where it is but they're going to draft their next Hall of Famer, man. I can't wait. I appreciate y'all taking the time out to listen to your boy. Shout out to my man 49ers Gab. Getting me on this 49ers Gab podcast network one more time. Y'all tell a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go do this, Nana. Nana gang. Y'all be good. Peace. Nana gang. Birdman. Take him out of here, man. Are we all finished or y'all done? I ain't got no more talking. I know Sosa. All I got is my balls and my words. Roaches. Everything we do, we put for Sachi on the soap.